Good evening, everyone. My name is Thomas Steininger. I welcome you to Radio Evolve, the global webcast for consciousness and culture. I'm very happy to have with me in the show today, Terry Patton. Terry, welcome. Thank you, Thomas. Good to be with you. Terry, um, uh, we are in a difficult time, been a very difficult time. Uh, the corona crisis uh, is something that we, we don't really know where, the, where this will go. Uh, we just know it's probably the crisis of our lifetime. Uh, we invited you uh, because you are amongst many other things, uh, the author of what I find a very important book. Uh, it's called The New Republic of the Heart. And it's something like a book for subtle activists, for people who, from an integral perspective, are aware of the inner dimensions of life, but also are aware of the world as a systemic reality and how we, in our inter inner dimensions, but our, our outer dimensions have to be together to create a different world. And you wrote this book in context of the climate crisis, amongst other things. The climate crisis hasn't gone anywhere, but on top of it, we have uh, now a virus that forces us to act. Let me start with the first question. How are you doing? You are in San Francisco right now. How are you? I'm, uh, I've gotten very quiet and I'm doing a lot of listening. I'm completely safe and comfortable in my modest little house. I have a, a beautiful hill. I'm learning. I've, I've toughened up my feet and I'm walking with my bare feet on the earth to the top of this hill every day, several times and looking out at a beautiful view. And I have the privilege and opportunity to feel into all of this in relative safety and comfort, even while healthcare workers all over the world are in something like a war zone and are going into a kind of PTSD in some cases. So I'm very aware of the privilege of this time. And I'm paying attention as deeply as I can, but I would say I'm, I'm made very quiet and I'm listening very deeply because what we understand is that it will not be long before people we know and love will be really sick and maybe injured and some will die and our economies will be dislodged from their artificial, hyper-consumerist exuberance and freedom and the privilege and ease will shift and the rickety structure of this hyper-extended global system will have its breakdowns of whatever kind. So it's a very sobering time in a way and yet one in which I'm dropping even more deeply into contact with the unconditional source of well-being and happiness 
and feeling tremendous gratitude, even as I am also in a kind of anticipatory grieving, both at once, you know, not just one or the other, not cycling between them exactly, but deepening into a kind of profundity that seems to be what's, what's asked of me right now. I mean, there are so many dimensions uh, to talk about the coronavirus and the situation that we are in. And uh, all of them or many of, of these conversations are very important. Um, one conversation that I, I, which is very near to me and to, to my questions is from what we know right now, uh, from what we anticipate from where we are, how it touches us as humans in our own existence, just how to respond without kind of having the answers. I don't have the answers. I guess you don't have the answers. Uh, but still, here we are uh, globally together in one situation as humanity. There are all levels to respond right now here in Frankfurt, Germany, in this little village I'm living We are organizing neighborhood help uh, just to come together as neighbors. And in fact, it's very powerful. It's very powerful to do that. And there's something really very positive and uh, heartening with this. At the same time, uh, I have conversations about um, how the crisis hits India and how uh, the Indian people are uh, in a lockdown that is um, very harsh and uh, uh, very unknown where, where they go with this. I, I have conversations with people in South Africa who are just very scared. It has not hit yet, South Africa, really. But they know it will hit, and their health system is not prepared. Our health system is not prepared, and they are by far not. And so there are so many dimensions, and still here we are. And we are humans. We have to take care of ourselves, of our health. We have to take care of our dearest. We have to take care of our neighborhood. And we are citizens, citizens yes. of our country, citizens of our continent, and citizens of this world. Uh, and I see a lot of very beautiful responses. Yes. I'm particularly inspired by the heart and heroism among some of the healthcare workers who are especially on the front lines of this right now and the way that people are hope opening our hearts to the vulnerable who are unable to avoid a lot of contact with, uh, with one another who, who live in large groups or in favelas or slums and the profound vulnerability of this whole human family and the and the care we all most of us just at the very most basic level the heart recognizes that this is a time to affirm our relations to serve to be of benefit to love to choose who we are in the face of this there are impulses to protect oneself to hoard things to go into a asana of separation and most of the people in my world are very clear that they want to be a 
more courageous, more loving, more caring, more generous than that. I, I, I wrote down what you just said, uh, to choose who we are in this situation, because I think that's a very, very interesting line uh, that uh, kind of uh, got me to, to see that this is, a, this is a situation, every situation is, but this is also a particular situation where we have to choose who we are and where we are also confronted to choose who we are because it's a very easy and natural to uh, just have fear. We, we do, but also to get trapped by one's fear. Uh, it's also that there are a lot of theories out there, what this is and what it is not, and, and to get kind of with your mind in, in, in some spin what this is, and in particular as an intellectual male, he, 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 this is a nice place to hang out and find uh, even some kind of relief in, 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 in that. Um, but who do I want to be in this? And as I understand also what you wrote about um, new forms of activism, and activism is just a form of how we are together as humans in small scale and in big scale for as, as friend, as lover, but also as a citizen and a citizen of this world. How, are, how do we want to be together? This is a situation where we are very much asked this question and if we want it or not, uh, somehow we have to answer it. Our, our ways of acting do answer it. And we are, we're caught in our own contradictions right now. I have been a environmental and climate activist for decades. And I have in effect prayed for something to interrupt the uh, blind momentum of consumer culture and industrial growth economy and its destruction of the living earth. And yet now that those prayers seem to be answered, the fact that my own ways of living are embedded in that culture and that my own well-being depends on it not completely falling apart is highlighted. The uh, fact that in a way there was a, a performative contradiction. You could even, uh, in a more using more critical blaming language, call it a kind of hypocrisy that uh, I could not escape the dynamics I recognized as unsustainable and needing to change. And what that had meant to me, what I wrote about in A New Republic of the Heart, was that what we were called upon was, we were called upon to co-create whole systems transformation. Mm -hmm. And that we needed, therefore, to participate actively in the outer world, working in the system to create better leaders, policies, and, and collective decision-making, working sometimes against the system to wake up the system to the ecological emergency, which is much, much bigger than just climate. Uh, and then also to go around the system, to simply be a, a source of 
sanity and wholeness amidst a crisis of fragmentation. And that that outer work had to intersect with our deep inner work in which we would not only uh, awaken to our own limiting emotional patterns, the, the, the contest in the heart between the better angels of our nature and our own fear and selfishness and, and, and reactivity, but you have to befriend your fear and your grief and your anger rather than to simply oppose it. So that requires deep work. And even that then is embedded in something even more profound, which is the, the fact that this human life is a school that is drawing us to know and be who we truly are, which is a matter of awakening to the divine and to the process of emergence going on. And all of that then can only be enacted in relationship, in the interpersonal work of showing up in relationship to one another. And here, I think we're really challenged right now because so much of the conversation that's been stimulated by the coronavirus among many people who I very much respect and who I learn from still takes the form of trying to figure it out, trying to come up with better questions and better answers mm. as if what we are confronted with is a puzzle that needs to be solved and figured out. But life is asking us not only to go back to this mind that figures things out, but to find our way to our whole being and to the heart and to uh, uh, this matter of choosing who we will be in relation to one another. So what I think we hunger for is real contact with an intelligent other person, but with a vulnerable and available other person who isn't filled with all their mind of answers, but who is still and open and available and who will accompany us into the depths of this moment so that we confront all of what is disrupting us and bringing up fear and grief and, and, and anger, not inappropriately, but not be captured by that so that we are together in this amazing moment and, and, and honoring it. And this contact with one another is going to be essential to a healthy collective response for there to be a real community with real relatedness as, as the core requires me to well, right now, being with you, we've been friends for a long time, but we have busy lives and we haven't talked in a while. And you are doing your very best to be of service to the people who you can serve. And you're inviting me to help. And this gives meaning to both our lives. And I'm grateful. And I respect your attempts here and you 
are interested in mine and there's a deep brotherhood in that. And you and I don't know, you or I might die before we can talk again. So it's important for me to hold up a mirror and show you the incredibly beautiful reflection of yourself that lives in my heart. Thank you. Thank you. To tell you I love you. To let you know that if you have to die alone, this reflection of your, the beauty of your soul is there more strongly. Mm-hmm. So that if you have to find your sanity in the midst of struggling for your breath, a kind of at being at peace with having been a, as good and, tr- and true and, and beautiful a man as you've been able to be is, is there to help you be at peace as you surrender into the tunnel through which we seem often to ascend when we leave the body. Thank you. And I mean, the place you, where you're going uh, sounds uh, maybe too far out, but the point is uh, this is a situation where we are really threatened and uh, it is a, uh, a question of life and death, maybe not personal, but maybe it is. But uh, in it, it is in a way that we have not anticipated at all five weeks ago. That uh, life, that death uh, is something that comes such as a reality to our societies, to our friends, to our families, and we have to live with this. And of course, this touches our deepest fears. Uh, it, it touches a lot of things that uh, that we usually keep keep away, and I ask myself uh, quite often. So, well, what is helpful right now for all of us to um, to be st- strong in this? And of course, there, there there are a lot of answers that we need. We, there are a lot of answers that we need right now. But uh, the most important that I find is uh, to, to find the capacity as you express this right now to be there for each other. To find ways to be there for each other uh, yes. because uh, we need each other in that to just uh, hold each other, uh, to give faith or to encourage each other to allow each others to find answers, but more than before, it's clear how human relationship is what this life is made of, and uh, it needs to be honored. And I am very struck by uh, the encounters I have, like the conversation that we have right now, how this is so much in the forefront and how it's so much um, just, it, it, it cuts to the core because it's a serious situation and, uh, and a lot of BS is just a very obvious BS in, the, in, in, in this. We, we are together, we all, humanity are, are together in something that's a huge challenge and there are many ways to avoid it, but uh, there, uh, there are also many ways to, 
to be with this and we have to find ways how, how to do that. I'm very struck by the meaningful conversations I have. I'm very struck uh, how uh, people respond to the health workers in Great Britain, how uh, uh, people in my neighborhood help elder people. There's a website uh, that supports neighborhood where people, uh, boys, 16-year-old boys volunteer and say, if, uh, if someone needs some help, I'm not in school right now. Uh, please give me, uh, give me a call, uh, write, uh, write me. There's, there's a lot of good things happening and uh, we have oh to my, be here yeah. for this. Well, this is just the beginning of the process because the reality of this is available to us in stories and narratives that we are hearing about on the web and through news reports. But it will change when it hits home more, when we hear more about the pain and suffering that that people go through in this process. None of us are immune to fear and when we're afraid we can be desperate and so this choosing of who we will be will keep going on again and again and we will not always make the very best choice we will have to have some compassion for our failures and find new strength with which to make better choices in the next moment in this moment Most of us are still in the bubble of imagining that, well, at worst, I'll have a bad cold or flu, and then I'll get better. We're imagining that we uh, may be able to be of help, that this is a suffering that will land on others or on the system. But when it gets close, you know, I I remember a a very upsetting image I saw in a movie years ago. It was called The Pianist, and it was about the uh, experience of people living in the Warsaw Ghetto during the, the Great War. And there was an old man who, uh, well, an old woman who had sold her jewels for a bowl of soup and she had taken the soup in, in holding it close and was trying to begin to eat it. And an old man came who was starving and tried to take the soup away from her just to steal her, her last meal. And, and in the process, he caused her to drop it onto the cobblestones and he got down on his hands and knees and he lapped the soup that he had, stolen from this dying woman up with his tongue off the cobblestone. He was so degraded by the circumstance that he, he was just kind of contemptible, almost less than human. And in a subsequent conversation, I was, it was pointed out to me that the illusion that we, through our spiritual practice and through our cultivation of our best qualities, 
are immune to that, that nothing, under no circumstances would I ever be like that old man. Well, we can be tested, we can be pressed, and we can be thrown into desperation, and even the best of us can be degraded. And a kind of sober humility in the face of it all is is important. Now, so far in this conversation, I've been emphasizing all of these very sobering and 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 almost dark uh, perspectives because I am making room in my heart for them. But the other thing I'm doing is to celebrate uh, every day to restore the the physics of the being. Uh, one of the areas of work that have been important to my own thinking is a waking our waking up to the implications of neuroscience and if we marinate in negative images and negative anticipations and we let the neurology go into the fear and grief and anger it it shapes us and it probably makes us less healthy less able to fight off the virus and Therefore, it's very, very important for us to find our way to positive states. And during this period of relative privilege and isolation, I'm essentially on retreat. Most of us are. And this family retreat with whoever we live with is an opportunity for us to meditate. It's an opportunity for us to read. It's an opportunity for us to embrace our loved ones. It's an opportunity for us to maybe dance to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm taking this time to commune with the earth and the sun and the, the wind and the, the water. I'm, 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 I'm finding the elements, an enormous source of sanity, the natural world, the songs of the birds. I'm I'm lucky because of where I live that I can go into a natural place directly from my front door. I can do it with my bare feet and touch the earth. And so I'm emphasizing those things. I'm knowing that, in a way, this is uh, this is asking me to stop being numb, stop mm-hmm. being in my head, abstracted to wake up into the tragedy and the wonder of this life and, 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 and to recognize that it's okay that there will be suffering and death, that life was always an ordeal. Life is a school and life takes us through challenges and in some sense it tempers and, and grows the soul mm. by doing that. So, the fact that there is difficulty, it's like, okay, well, this is the next lesson from this great teacher that life is. And we are going through this together. And we can share whatever we have that might be useful, ways to get stronger. My immune system is stronger because I'm taking in the earth and the sun and the fresh air. My my. Sanity is reinforced by the fact that I'm expressing love to others. And, and I think that having conversations 
like when I spoke to you as if, you know, hey, we don't know, one of us could die. That, 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 you, that might seem extreme, but I think actually that it, it, helps, uh, it helps me be sane. I hope that I will in, you know, use this as a rehearsal for the, the goodbyes that are part of the letting go from this life and the dying process and thereby arrive in another part of life. This is a, a huge transition point. This retreat that we are on is the end of the old world and a new world will come into being. And we are here in a contemplative moment in between these worlds. And it, we, we can do what we can do and we need to do a lot of, of listening, deep, deep listening with the whole body, listening with the skin and the feet and the heart and the belly and finding our way to live this life with all that is best in us and meet one another in that, in a way that honors the ordeal. You know, it is an ordeal. Life, life was never about the fulfillment of egos. Nobody wins this game of living. We know this from our spiritual practice. It's always been about a sacrifice. And so being together in it, yes. In a conversation uh, I heard today, uh, I heard Otto Sharma saying something that I haven't heard this way before. He spoke about the capacity to let go. But in the same breath, he talked about the capacity to let come. Hmm. And that struck me, and it reminded me also, as you were talking, about how you started this conversation. And it maybe even sound frivolous when you said that you prayed for something like this, talking about uh, the climate change. But, uh, of course, I, I know what you mean. You didn't pray for this. You, you prayed for something that makes us wake up in the situation that we are in already. And one thing uh, that, in spite of everything, is very inspiring is until a couple of weeks ago, uh, part of our desperation was that it seems impossible for us as a humanity to respond to the danger that we are in. It just, it seems impossible that we would be able to respond in a global, synchronized way And part of our desperation came out of our conviction, it's not possible to do this. Right. But this is not the case anymore. Uh, we experience the proof right now that when the danger is imminent enough, there's the capacity for things to change uh, uh, in a day in our response, if it's the right way to respond or not right way to respond, it's a different discussion. I'm not discussing if it's overreaction. That, that, that's a discussion that's valid in itself. But the capacity to respond in a synchronized way, we prove it right now that if we are aware enough on an individual, collective, and institutional level, we can. That takes away a lot of cynicism that change is not possible. 
we learn, we seem to learn the hard way, but there's a lesson in this <coughs> that uh, we are capable of uh, responding to life-threatening dangers that we as a species are in. So that allows us to inspire to something that is a tremendous change that we have to have anyway, because the life we were living before was running into a wall already before the virus hit. The, the, the systems that we're in, our economical systems, the way we exploit the planet, uh, the way we treat nature, the way we treat each other, it was to everyone who was watching clear that this can't go on for much longer. Now we are forced by something uh, that we didn't want to come to respond in, in an immediate way, but it also opens up that, uh, that we can respond. So maybe this is also the moment to appreciate that and say uh, something, uh, it comes from the Obama campaign, but I use it anyway. Yes, we can. Mm. And this yes, we can, uh, uh, we can translate it. We can translate to whatever our circumstances are. I translate it to what I do anyway. I do radio broadcasts. So I, I try to, to do this. I, I live in a village where I, I try to find ways to connect. Many people live in many different circumstances, but this uh, wake-up call, as you were calling it, can call us to find ways to respond because we can. That's right. And this orienting to our efficacy and to our care and to our desire to not just take care of ourselves, but to be of benefit more widely. This is uh, so healthy, so necessary. Uh, and, and yet, you know, I am in conversation and I know you are too with many people who have long been convinced that we were headed toward uh, near-term societal breakdown. And this seems to prove out some of their ideas. And the odd struggles that we're in give every one of us strange bedfellows. Whereas I have always oriented positively, and there are some who think we're facing not necessarily very immediately, but over time, the unsustainability of the trajectory of human civilization would lead us to the extinction of the whole human species. And there's you know, many people who are having these deep adaptation and post-doom and collapsitarian uh, conversations. And you and I have said, uh, the last chapter of my book is, it's not too late and it never will be. I have always oriented to the fact that emergence is about miracles. Evolution doesn't just follow trends. And therefore, although from many perspectives, it seems that the momentum of our unsustainability would lead us nowhere good. The potential for something seemingly miraculous is very real. And 
I am seeing those miracles take place in the consciousness and behavior of individuals and groups. And this orienting positively is so important. But there are other people who are disagreeing with the narratives of collapse and simply wanting to go back to the growth economy and the consumption patterns of the past. And we certainly aren't agreeing with that. So there are powerful narratives that are arising in the midst of something that stops our momentum and stops our mind. We try to make sense. And there are powerful narratives that make a kind of sense of this. This is the beginning of the end. This is the interruption that will allow a whole new pattern to come into being that will turn around this unsustainable trajectory. This is the moment in which there will be a kind of awakening in which we will turn to God and to our own realization and life of practice in a whole new way and come together in a more beautiful way. And on and on. There are many narratives that can organize this chaos of perceptions that are cascading through the human collective right now. And every one of those narratives has a potential truth in it. And I want to be informed by them to some degree. But at the moment, it feels more authentic for me to notice the magnetic power of these different narratives and to breathe out, to exhale, and to let go and to be curious and to let this school of life draw me forward and draw me closer to others who are listening deeply. And out of that, to discover kinds of goodness, kinds of health, kinds of coherence that are authentic, that I can enact and embody in the midst of this fragmenting crisis. And And to see, really, the holiness, the profundity, the sanctity of every breath. It's all about, you know, like uh, a saying I have offered as a teacher is that the way goes on forever, but it begins with every new breath. Mm. And here, as I'm breathing I'm appreciating that that's what's threatened by this virus, my ability to breathe, our ability to breathe. And this word, breath, spirit, it's how we commune. And the most radical forms of spirituality follow this breath beyond the body to the radically non-dual transcendental that is absolute and beyond the moving in breath and out breath. That's really interesting. That, yeah, that profundity anyway. I, I was going into a kind of ecstatic contemplation of God. Yeah. I'll, no, I'll let it's, you know. it's very true. And while you were saying that, uh, I, I found myself that I was very tempted uh, to ask you the, the question also because we're coming to the end of our conversation. So what should we do now? Uh, and 
I, I kind of also was debating if I should go there because it's, uh, is this really the, the, the right question? And uh, uh, to, to, to do, of course, we have to do something. We, 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 we talked about that. But you said what you said about breathing out. And I think you made a point there that I find very profound and, and, and worth uh, um, contemplating what the breathing out means. I mean, it means for me, breathing out as a person, but also to see, yes, we have to respond. I don't want to deny that. But uh, there's something, I'm talking about the virus, that brought the whole system to a halt somehow. It's brutal. I don't make it something nice. But amongst all the responses that we need, maybe we also take individually and collectively this is a moment to breathe out and really let go because maybe we have to let go much deeper than we, what we think letting go really means. Again, on a personal level, on, 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 the, on the collective level, on, on a systemic level, that we have maybe to let go in a way we have no idea what, what letting go meant in this moment. And be also kind of scared maybe uh, that uh, this letting go really means letting go. And again, I'm not saying that we should not respond and just do that, but we also should maybe, as you said, breathe out. Yeah. Thank you, Thomas. Well, what I am doing is doing everything I can to create depth of contact with everything that is best in me and in those who are my friends and colleagues in the good work. And to help us recognize that, yes, we will, and maybe even right now are called upon to respond. And it, there may be clear things that we are called upon to do that are the right way for us to invest our attention and our time. And yet, the, very often we want to foreclose the deep silence and listening by jumping into action prematurely. And then it's a compensation. The, the conversation you had with Thomas Hubel about trauma has to do with the way that there are all these coping strategies and, and activations of trauma that shut us down or dissociate us or have us rushing forward in some compensatory strategy in order to avoid what is too terrible to feel. So what we should do is to respect all of that, to forgive ourselves for our imperfection in humanity and to forgive everyone else, to repent, but also to ask others to repent. And this word repentance can be charged because of its use by mythic religions. But what repentance means is metanoia, the turnabout of our knowing. So every one of us has been to some degree an ego or a hypocrite or an addict to a consumer society. And the impulse of the ego is to be pure and perfect and than to tell everybody, you know, what to do. But maybe the, the opportunity here is to be profoundly, profoundly allowed 
to be catalyzed and willing then to help, willing then to suffer the ordeal if that is our lot, not to regard dying of the very, very uncomfortable, even miserable physical experience of dying from this virus, to not treat that as just some horrible, hellish defeat, but treat this whole thing as a sacred process in which this whole billions of year human experiment, which has become visible to itself, we, the eyes of evolution, are also now in the moment in which a turnabout, a a repentance, a collective repentance is coming into being. And we might be able to contribute in some way. And what a privilege. And so important then to, uh, to be with our, you know, the, the, the heart is so uplifted by that divine contemplation, by the sacredness of, the, of, of, of every single moment, this moment, the very presence of God is this, is this moment of, 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 of consciousness expressing itself through the words spoken and the words heard and the meanings grokked and, and, and we're together in this. Wow. So what should we do? We, well, each of us will have a unique opportunity to be true and to be of benefit. And all of it is newly holy, even the hellish ordeal part. That, and, and out of that, maybe we can actually be the body of something healthier coming back into being. And I so am affirming that. My whole life has been about co-creating that, as has yours. That's why we're deep colleagues. This has been our work for decades. And yet how we will enact it going forward might surprise us. Terry, thank you for this conversation. Thank you so much, Thomas. I am always nurtured by the level of contact that is possible between us. Thank you.